You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. right in your palm of your hand. Actually, it's even closer to that. It's in your heart. You have exactly what everybody's searching for. You have the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what you share to them. Just think a minute of what might happen if every one of you shared the gospel one person this week. What do you think God might do? Do you ever take God for granted? Have you ever been so comfortable in your faith, you forget who's serving who? Today, Pastor Dave illustrates that you must always cherish the perfect gift that God has given you. Let your abundance of joy overflow. Influence the world around you in the name of Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 11 as he begins his message, Son of Encouragement. beginning in verse 19. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them with all that purpose, with the purpose of their heart, they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay, so today's message is entitled Sons of Encouragement. Sons of Encouragement. Came across this great story when I was studying for this today from Charles Spurgeon out of one of his sermons. And it's about encouragement. I'd like to share that with you. Charles XII of Sweden had his secretary sitting by his side writing dictation when a bombshell fell through the roof in the next room. The secretary, in alarm, dropped his pen, upon which the king exclaimed, What are you doing? The poor man faltered, "Uh, uh, Sire, the bomb. The king's answer was, What has the bomb do with what I am telling you? You will say the secretary's life was in danger. Yes, but you are safe in any case. For you are side by side with Jesus in his holy service. No evil can befall you. Watch on, work on, even to the crack of doom. Leave the times and seasons with God and go on with your work. Wow. Great words of encouragement. Leave the times and the seasons with God and go on with your work. Encouragement. 
Encouragement is simply the act of giving one confidence. It's the act of giving one courage for success. Encouragement is an incitement to action. Encouragement is an incentive to continue onward. When you encourage someone, an action should follow. There should be some sort of action that follows your encouragement, and that action should always be towards the Lord. As Christians, we should always endeavor to encourage one another in the faith. William Barclay, a great commentary, said this, One of the highest of human duties is the duty of encouragement. It is easy to laugh at men's ideals. It's easy to pour cold water on their enthusiasm. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time, a word or a phrase or a thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Are you an encourager today? Are you someone who encourages others? What kind of an encourager are you? Have you ever received encouragement from somebody that maybe has changed your life or changed the way you think? Unfortunately, for many of us, we seem to encourage each other like Job's friends encouraged him. Not real good. Warren Wiersbe said in this book that he wrote called Be Patient, Walking on God in Difficult Times, he said this, If you want to encourage hurting people, try to see things through their eyes. Be humble enough to admit that there might be other points of view. Job's three friends had a narrow experience of life. They held fast to their dogmatic assumptions and refused to budge, unquote. You know, encouraging someone is a sort of against God's will when you encourage someone that way. It's sort of against God's will. Let me point this out to you. As Job closed his remarks in Job 21, verse 34, he said this, How can you comfort me with empty words since falsehood remains in your answer? Empty words here means vain and nonsensical words. In other words, the comfort he had gotten from his three friends was in vain, and it was nonsense, and their words were nothing but falsehood. And the Hebrew word that's translated falsehood means a deliberate violation of God's law, an act of treachery. It's often translated as trespass. You see, when the three friends encouraged Job, they were breaking faith and trespassing against God. And instead of helping Job find God in the midst of his circumstance, they were leading him in the other direction. Not very good encouragers indeed. I know in my heart that this is not the kind of encourager that you or I want to be. I know that this is not on our list of encouraging. So in today's study, we're going to look at a great example of a true spiritual encourager. The kind of encourager I know all of us want to be. Today we're going to be reunited with a man named Barnabas. And if you remember correctly, when we studied his word, the word Barnabas means son of encouragement. We found that in chapter 4, verse 36. Barnabas was ever true to his name and now comes to Antioch to encourage the new believers there. Antioch was one of the many places that the new believers went after the persecution happened, when it broke out after Stephen's death. Antioch was a major city and a major port, but Antioch was also a very wicked city, probably second only to Corinth in its wickedness. But the church in Antioch grew in numbers greatly. It grew in numbers greatly as the grace of God was poured out upon it. As things got busy in Antioch, Barnabas seeks out a helper, 
and he encourages him to come to Antioch, come to Antioch and assist in the ministry. He goes a long, long way and looks for a man that he only met one time, a man who he befriended, a man who he encouraged, a man who he took personally into the apostles and introduced him to the apostles, a man who became Barnabas' friend. Together, they would become co-laborers for Christ. Barnabas would travel from Antioch all the way to the city of Tarsus to find Saul. He would then bring Saul back. See, spiritual encouragement is extremely important to the blood of the church. It's important to the growth of the believer of the church. As spiritual encouragers, we should help people focus on Jesus Christ. We should help people draw close to him. We should help people to follow him, to listen to his commands, and to be in obedience to what Jesus is saying. That's what a spiritual encourager does. A spiritual encourager opens the word of God and shows the person in need of encouragement in the word of God where the encouragement can be found and how Jesus is the one who is in our encourager and how Jesus is the one in whom we stand and can get the courage to do everything we need to do. Believe me, there will come a time and a season in every one of our lives when we will need spiritual encouragement. If that time has not come, hold on to your hat, it will. There will come a time when you need that. So as we begin our study today, we see the results of the persecution after the death of Stephen as the new church was scattered throughout the area. We read in verses 19 through 20 that many were scattered to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. There are a couple things I want to point out here. First of all, we are reminded of what happened after Stephen's death. Persecution arose. Persecution arose, I might add, head up by the same Saul who Barnabas went to get to bring back to Antioch. This persecution that arose over the church, over the Christian community, over the believers in Christ, and they scattered. We read about that when we studied the chapter 8 in verse 1. At this time, a great persecution arose against the church was in Jerusalem, and they all were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So they all fled except the apostles. The apostles stayed put. They held the church together. The next thing we see here is that the persecution, as it scattered, scattered two kinds of believers. Two kinds of believers went forth. Those that would only share the gospel with the Jews and those that would share the gospel with the Gentiles. These were the Hellenists. Why would the Hellenists share the gospel with the Gentiles, and why would they be so willing to share the gospel with the Gentiles? Well, first of all, if you remember, a Hellenist was a Greek-speaking Jew, someone not from Israel, someone from a different part. So they didn't have the prejudices that were already built up in the Jews. So it would be easy for them to spread the good news of the gospel to another person because those built-in prejudices that we've been talking about for so long, they didn't have. Imagine that, being prejudice-free, not having to worry about what you say and being able to walk up to anybody and share the love of Jesus Christ. These Jews, these Hellenists, were probably recipients of the prejudice from the Jews themselves, so they knew what that prejudice felt like. I'm sure in your lifetime, someone has been prejudiced in some way towards you. Somehow, some way. Yeah, nah. I'm sure that's happened. And it can happen in many, many different ways. So you know what that prejudice feels like. You know when it's directed towards you, how that might feel. But I love these guys. 
I beloved, they didn't think they were doing anything radical. They just wanted to tell people about Jesus. They just wanted to tell people about salvation through Jesus Christ. I love these guys. They didn't have any preconceived prejudices. They just wanted to share the Lord. You know what's interesting here, I find, is that there was no official direction. Nobody told them except Christ to go. There was no human instruction. There was no precedent to follow. In other words, there were no programs. This is who we're going to target, and this is how we're going to target them. They just went about. They had this burning desire to share Christ. They had a burning desire within them because they had experienced God's grace. They had experienced God's love. They knew what God's love felt like, and they wanted to share it with anybody they came in contact with. They headed into the darkest, paganistic place they could find, Antioch, and they shined the light of Jesus Christ in the midst. That's beautiful. Are you getting a picture here? Are you kind of getting encouraged that maybe we should be doing something like that? In verse 21, we see the results of their faithfulness. Look at verse 21. We see the results of their faithfulness to sharing the Lord. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Wow. Antioch becomes evangelized not by the apostles, not by Philip and the deacons, but just by a bunch of average Christians, if there is such a thing just by a bunch of nobodies who didn't have any name, who didn't have any title. All they wanted to do was go share the love of God. And an entire city is evangelized. An entire city is taken over by the love of Jesus Christ, all because a few members were willing to share their faith. A few members wanted to share what they had inside them, Jesus Christ, and they knew the results. They knew what it gave them. It gave them eternal life, and they knew the effects of eternal life, and they wanted to share that. They wanted to share what they had. These are encouragers. These are people who really encouraged others to come to the Lord. I think the Lord is telling us boldly today and loudly today, we don't need programs to follow. We're not going to divide the area up into sections. Now, this guy, you're going to go to that quadrant. You over here, you're going to go to that quadrant. You guys here are going to go to that quadrant. You guys here are going to go there. We're going to knock on every door. That's not what the Lord's telling us. The Lord is telling us that as we go, we're going to share the love of Jesus Christ. That as we go with our families, we're going to share God's love with them. As we go to the grocery store, to school, to work, to play, wherever we might be, Christ is in us and we're taking him with us. And that light that is in us is going to shine in the midst of these times, these darkened times. And people, you're going to run into people that are worried about the economy. You're going to run into people that have lost homes, that have lost jobs. You're going to run into people that are seeking something and don't know where to turn. You're going to run into people who are worried about the government and the politics of the world. You're going to run into people who are wondering, what's going to happen to the United States? Where are we going? And you have the answer. You have the answer right in your palm of your hand. Actually, it's even closer to that. It's in your heart. You have exactly what everybody's searching for. You have the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what you share to them. Just think a minute of what might happen if every one of you shared the gospel one person this week. What do you think God might do? Wow. I don't know about you, but I serve a God that nothing's impossible for. I serve the God of impossibilities. Can you imagine that? Well, that's what happened. Stephen was killed, and it was a terrible time for everybody. And everybody was fearing for their lives. Nobody wanted to die, and everybody fled. But it was God's plan. God said, I'm going to send you out. Well, we're too comfortable here, okay? I'll make you leave. 
And Stephen dies. We don't want that. Then you leave. Boom, they're gone. And they're sharing the love of Christ. What would God do if every one of us shared just with one person the love of Christ? What would God do? How would God honor that? Wow. In verses 22 to 23, as we continue, then the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. <laughs> Remember last week we said news traveled fast even back then? Well, the news of what was happening in Antioch got back to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem and the apostles, the elders of the church were all sitting around going, whoa, there's another revival on our hands. What are we going to do? Well, let's send somebody. Who should we send? Mm, Barnabas, you go to Antioch. Find out what's going on. Go down and take a look-see. Go down and find out what's happening down there. Barnabas goes. They sent the right man for the job. They sent the right man for the job. When Barnabas arrived, he seized evidence of the grace of God within them. You know, he could have seen different things. He could have walked in there and seen men who were rough, men who were rough and tumble, who had just came to the Lord. Their language probably wasn't the greatest thing in the entire world. Their ethics probably weren't real great. You know, they probably had a lot of rough edges because they had just come to the Lord. It was a very, very rough town. But they, he saw the grace of God in them. He didn't look at their faults. He didn't look at their shortcomings. He didn't look at the problems that were wrong. He looked at what they had, and he saw the grace of God within them. And that's what he acted upon. That's what he acted upon. He didn't go in there and go, well, I can't do anything with you guys. You haven't cleaned up your act yet. No. He encouraged them. He went in there and he spoke to them and encouraged them to continue in the faith, continue in God's love. Now, we mentioned earlier that Antioch was a wicked city. The nickname for Antioch was Antioch, Antioch the Golden, Queen of the East. And it housed in the center was a local shrine dedicated to Fien. And the worship of her included immoral practices. Now, I'm sure these new believers, like I said, they didn't use proper language, and they were probably had some bad ethics. But Barnabas sees them as the grace of God is in them, and he witnesses this. He sees the fruit of the Spirit. This is the kind of man Barnabas was. He was an encourager. He saw the good and capitalized on it. He saw the good and said, that's what I want to talk about right there, and he encouraged them in what they were doing. The verse says he was very glad. He knew that the other stuff eventually would disappear as what? As they followed the Lord. As they followed the Lord, the other stuff would fall away. It would bagel by the wayside. I mean, come on. How many of you, when you got saved, turned instantly? I was a hard sell. Took me a long time, but I finally came around, and there was a lot of things that taken out of my life since then, praise God. It didn't happen overnight. I know some people that it happened overnight too. Praise God for that. That's wonderful. But not me. That's what Barnabas saw. He saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God's evidence in their lives, and he, and he wanted to nurture that. He wanted to have that grow. It says he was glad. He rejoiced because of what the Lord had done in their lives. Barnabas did what the Lord had gifted him to do. He encouraged them simply to remain true to the Lord, to make it purpose of your heart. Meditate on him. Make him everything. These are great words of wisdom here. The purpose in your heart to make God what the heart purposes. It's my fervent prayer that the purpose of our heart today would be to continue in the Lord. The purpose of your heart today would to grow stronger in the Lord. 
I don't care if you've known the Lord for 30 minutes or 30 years, that you would continue in the Lord because your work is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Scripture tells us that. But we're going to continue what the Lord has given us, and we're going to move forward, and we're going to purpose in our heart. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. By doing this, Barnabas would eventually help them clean up their act and help them clean up the town, which happened. The town was cleaned up. The town became changed. This is what an encourager does. He guides people towards Christ. Barnabas saw the grace of God in their hearts. He rejoiced with them and then gently encouraged them to continue. He didn't go in there with a list of rules. Okay, Antioch, I'm going to nail this up there. You've got to follow this list of rules now that you're Christians. He didn't do that. He encouraged them to move forward in the Lord. You might be asking yourself, okay, how did he do this? Well, he had a little help. Look at the next verse. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Here we see the characteristics of Barnabas. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown wrote this. The sense of good here is largely, evidently, a large heart, able to rise above the narrow Jewish secularism. While in virtue of fullness of the Holy Spirit, he he clearly discerned and he had entire sympathy with the grace of God in these Gentile converts. He had a good heart. He wanted them to succeed. He wanted them to do well. And as he was led by the Holy Spirit, he was able to do what the Holy Spirit gifted him to do. Barnabas was good because he could see past the prejudicial and the racial barriers. He could see right into a person's heart and see the grace of God at work in someone's heart. He was able to look past someone's shortcomings and give them a second, third, fourth, fifth. Lord, how many times do we forgive somebody? I mean, I forgive my neighbor seven times. Nah, seven times 70. And if you're like me, you go, oh, that's 310. Okay. We forgive them on endless, endless times. That's what Barnabas did. Barnabas did that. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was able to see the spiritual needs of others. That's discernment. That's what discernment does. When you have spiritual discernment, you see the spiritual needs of others. When the Lord gives you discernment, you see what other people might need. You see what other people might be lacking. You see the kind of things that you can do for them through the Holy Spirit. And as he says he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was able to meet those needs by preaching and teaching. He taught with them. You know, there's an advantage of being filled with the Holy Spirit because you're never limited in your resources. You have an unlimited amount of resources at your disposal when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas was a man full of faith. He knew where his power and his abilities came from. He knew where to put all his eggs, so to speak. He knew where he had come. He knew that he was nothing outside of Jesus Christ. He knew that it was the power of God in him, and he had faith and confidence in Jesus Christ to do a work in those people of Antioch. And he had faith and confidence and knew that Christ that was working in him would also work in the others. And that encouragement that he gave them to continue in the Lord was probably his mantra. I'm going to continue on in the Lord. You can't encourage what you don't have. You can't encourage what you don't have. You need to be continuing in the Lord. You've been listening to A Sure Hope Radio with Pastor Dave. Pastor Dave comes to us from Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. 
In today's message, Pastor Dave is in the book of Acts. In this book, you'll hear about many people who had been eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They were now going to tell others about Jesus, and many were coming to a saving faith. If these disciples were just following some flash-in-the-pan rabbi, they wouldn't have been so eager to risk their lives for the sake of telling about this good news. No, it's because they saw it lived out, and they saw the greatest miracle of all happen, Jesus dying and then rising again. What an incredible time to live. So when you're facing opposition and persecution for following Jesus, remember that these disciples did too, and they were willing to face the ramifications for such faith. If you're wrestling with what this means to have a saving faith, we'd love to seek God in prayer with and for you. You can email us your requests at info at capewatchradio.com. If you'd rather call, we can chat with you on the phone too. Our number is 609-884-5821. That phone number once more is 609-884-5821. Anything else you'd like to know about can be found on our website, assurehoperadio.com. We've come to the end of our time together for today, but we'll be back next time as Pastor Dave shares some more great things from the Bible here on Assure Hope. 